Welcome back, beautiful people. We are back with another episode of An Untold Narrative. This is everyone's favorite number, episode 69. Uh, we have a very special guest. He is a creative, uh, like a lot of our other guests, um, where he might be under the radar, um, is doing incredible things with his career. Uh, we come from the same uh, cloth of Wentworth Institute of Technology, our, uh, our alma maters. Um, so Connor Pelletier Sutton, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining me. Thanks, David. Happy to be here. Yeah, of course. So talk about, uh, you're wearing a Boston hat. Um, where are you from? Where are you currently? Yeah, I, I love wearing this hat wherever I move because, uh, it always, always sparks conversation. I meet, meet a lot of great people. Um, admittedly, I don't follow well enough, but I love that it connects me back home, uh, from Connecticut, born and raised. Uh, studied at Wentworth Institute of Technology, as you know. Uh, yeah, I, I've moved or, moved around the country multiple times. Currently located in uh, Southern California, uh, where I was an industrial designer at uh, at Rivian, uh, focused on charging and energy products, as well as assisting some of the transportation programs. Um, prior to that, I was a senior industrial designer at 3M, working on anything from material innovation to air purifiers, face masks, and command hooks. Wow. Learned a lot about the, the corporate setting there. Um, thought I was going to be more in the consulting space because I love doing just the, the hands-on hardcore industrial design. And that's not to say that corporate doesn't have that, but just didn't see myself going there, but learned a heck of a lot about just how a product is, is developed and all the, the team members involved. And I, I really appreciated my time there. Super cool. Yeah, we'll get into each one of those experiences. Um, you said you're from Connecticut. I actually was raised in Connecticut myself. Um, uh, so yeah, we'll get Connecticut. It's next to Waterbury. Um, that's where I was raised. But um, talk about like your upbringing, right? Like I know um, Connecticut's primarily probably like, I mean, it's got a couple really down and down and out cities. Um, but talk about your upbringing. Like, you know, I grew up in like a very middle class kind of you know, neighborhood, very like normal school and education, um, you know, how you got into like understanding what industrial design is, because like a lot of people don't even know what that is. So how did you discover and unravel all of that? Yeah, like, where do I start? I grew up in a pretty, uh, I'd say the, the area I grew up in, thankfully for my parents who selected kind of the location I studied in, uh, it was fairly affluent. Uh, we were maybe more on the kind of the, the lower middle class side, but I was really fortunate to be, be at a place that had such funding for, for programs such as CAD courses and art, arts and stuff. I know a lot of those, those programs get underfunded in, in, some, in some districts. And I, I, I think looking back, my parents made such an amazing move and I'm very happy with where I've gotten from that. Um, my father is a stonemason and my mother is a jack of all trades, uh, as you might say. Um, and I think I get my analytical side from the, the stonemason and my empathy from my mom. Oh, uh, nice. So, yeah, I, I didn't know I wanted to be an industrial designer until my, my senior year. I thought, thought I wanted to be a chemical engineer and uh, quit all those courses after I learned about industrial design. I found out uh, in an art class, actually, trying to find a, a drawing for my next inspiration. And I found a drawing, like a Prismacolor drawing of a, of a hairdryer. And wow. I was like, man, that is so cool. I could see like 
the analytical and methodicalness of the drawing and how it could uh, both utilize uh, kind of my methodicalness and engineering mindset as well as my artistic side. So from there, I was addicted. All I wanted to do was Google industrial design. Um, I've I learned about the, the, the actual name of the, the role from my art teacher who was like, that's industrial design. And I was like, this is all I want to do. And so going through that high school process, um, like, did you apply to a ton of colleges or you just like found Wentworth in Boston? So, You're just like, yeah. So I, I just, a few years, maybe two years prior, I had gone to a, a college fair and I had a pretty, pretty mediocre GPA. Uh, I was around like a, maybe a 2.6 in high school. So it was like, I didn't know where I could get into, you know, I got better throughout my, when I got serious, but, um, I saw Wentworth, which thankfully it, it, I mean, I, my GPA got a heck of a lot better than that, but, um, I was like, Oh, I could fit in. Uh, there's no chemical engineering, but it's like, Oh, it's a college that's like local. It's in a city. I had family go to school at Northeastern. So I was like, Oh, I want to go where, go where Justin went. You know, I want to go in Boston. I want to, I want to live there. Um, College was a bit far-fetched for me, so I didn't really actually pursue any of it until I really found out about industrial design when I was like, that's what I'm going to do. And the first school that popped up was Wentworth when, when I was Google searching industrial design. And I was like, that's where I'm going. Yeah. I, I dug down the website, every little corner of the industrial design website I could, learned who was there, who did what. I think I toward maybe three times between finding out and actually going wow no kidding. well you were pot committed yeah i was like i'm doing this for my life i am like the, the second i found out everything just hit and i was like this is what i'm doing so i um a lot of people like ask me uh now that like i'm years removed from college and they ask me about my experience at wentworth and i always say it was the greatest decision i've ever made like i really enjoyed my time there so i'm yeah. curious as to like what your experience was like there yeah i mean i like i said i was super stoked on it before i even went and then when i toured i was like this is amazing like we've got a, a wood shop a metal shop a cnc <laughs> in an old school like an old cafeteria it's like this is cool it's like not not trying to pretend to be something it's not like we excuse me we uh we had our studios in the gymnasium i was like this is so like underground and like just like true to the bone and i just i think i met some of the greatest people i could have ever met uh derek cassio tracy you know sam I could name every single person there and they'd be the best person I ever met. Um, I loved it. I would go back in a heartbeat. What do you, what do you think is one of the best things that Wentworth offered? Um, because from, from like my, my experience, I always loved the fact that the school was small enough where it offered like the core skill set. And then like as much as you personally wanted to apply to every project, this is as much as you get out of it. So like, that was my favorite part. Yeah. I, th I think we had just, just enough resources in any given category. Um, and I, th I think, yeah, it's like we had an amazing shop. We learned how to build with our hands, but we also learned how to, how to tell stories. 
We also learned how to research, how to communicate with team members. And I think, although some might say at, at any given university, right? Like, oh, the teachers didn't know this. Someone, we didn't have this resource, you know, like no, no one, no one is teaching you. <laughs> no one's, no one's coming up to you and saying like, all right, I'll teach you how to learn this software. Mm. In the real world, you, you're just at your desk, you're at your nine to five and you have to get the job done. You know, like that's the reality of it. And I think anything that wasn't there for us was actually teaching us to be self-sufficient and get the job done. So I think looking back, maybe I complained about some of those experiences or lack of lack thereof any, any tools or equipment or say, but I think I've become a better designer from it because yeah that's that's an amazing takeaway like the 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 education of self-sufficiency because like they they didn't you know there was there was just enough teachers for all the students there's there's just like just enough there's all the resources and but there was a little bit of proactivity and and entrepreneurialness in each of the students if you wanted to like break through and and really grasp what industrial design was yeah it's like you had to reach out to a shop tech if you wanted to learn how to use that tool better or you had to to dive into the internet a little bit more if you wanted to learn learn surfacing just a little bit more um yeah I, and i think resourcefulness is kind of the one of the the biggest tools in an industrial designer's toolkit because yeah. there's always as as the industry evolves and as to, new tools are are created like we we need to have that mindset to be able to just have the curiosity to, to open up that new, new, uh, new set of skills. What, um, what do you think, uh, looking back on it was one thing that you wish you did or that you maybe not regret, but like you wish you took advantage of while you were there, or is there, is there, is there a negative experience that you had? No, I wish I got to use the CNC more. (laughs) selfishly I I think I think sometimes I wish I got to work on particular projects Mm. I was really into the consumer electronics space in college so I really wish I got to rather than just do that on the side do it for a full-fledged program but at the same time I think I've learned by not having certain opportunities or not being able to work on a thing I want to design I've kind of disconnected myself more from the product and focused more on on the journey and being a designer because I think too many designers may have the thing they want to design and I think that ruins the solution by already having this preconceived idea of what the product needs to be super interesting yeah 100 percent. I mean the journey is always the best part right yeah so it's not the ending yeah like I, I may have wanted to design headphones, but you know, I already have the solution in mind. What am I, what benefit am I really adding to that experience? Right. Um, one thing I really also enjoyed about Wentworth, um, for those that aren't familiar was their obviously their co-op program, which is basically like internships built into the education format. So people had to go out and get real world experience before graduating. Uh, now I think it's a little bit more normalized and more, more colleges and universities build in that, that, that time and that scope. Um, 
did you have a favorite experience during your, your co-op or your internships? Hmm. I mean, it was all fun. It was, <laughs> that was like, that was what I wanted to do. I was like, this is, this is when I get to kind of showcase my skills. I think, I don't know, I, I, I got to work at a small little old school firm back in Connecticut where I got to learn how to make soft tooling and, and make breadboards. And I learned SolidWorks there, you know, and it was really inspiring to see kind of this really traditional old school approach to product development. Like some of the, 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 the sculptors there used to actually sculpt toys out of like clay and wax. And I got to see how like that early, uh, early era of product development, like was really sculpted. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. I mean, that's, that's a beautiful thing to watch. Um, what, what do you think, you know, going, we'll get into like your first couple jobs at a, at a school, but like, what do you think is the biggest difference between like college education and the real world? Like, cause there's, there's obviously like this big gap, like there's everybody's speaking about how college isn't necessary anymore. Going to university isn't necessary. Like you could learn everything from YouTube these days. And like, yeah. what do you think is the biggest difference um, between the real world, you know, specifically on the design side, I guess. I think there are maybe, maybe two things. Um, one is just the time that you have to work on something <laughs> like you just have unlimited time to work on something. <laughs> no, no one at school just says, get it done by the end of the class. <laughs> like, it's like, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll have it done by <laughs> 3 PM. Um, which of course, no, I, I'm exaggerating. No one's just like, Hey, get it done right now. But I think another thing within school that's different is that in the education setting, you touch every single part throughout your four years. And when you dive in to a career, you may actually be diving into one element mm -hmm. of the process, dependent on how the company utilizes industrial designers right? They, they may not use you as a strategist or as a researcher. They may want you to just do 3D modeling. They may want you to do, they may want you to partner with consumer insights teams and get up and, and hands-on with ethnography and research. But you may also just be grinding sketching all day. So it's really all dependent. And I think that's really important to asking those questions in your interviews. And I think education sort of teaches you about all aspects and all directions that you can go, but then you have to sort of find out like, all right, do I want to go here? What's my, what's my, my kind of uh, aperture of what I want to focus on and what I want my role to encompass. So. Have you, Connor, have you had an experience where, where it was like you started somewhere, but to that point, right? Like you figured out, Oh, I didn't like this this setting and I wanted to pivot into a different thing because this wasn't really making me excited to show up to work. Did you have like an experience like that or an employer who was receptive to that? I, I actually, I don't think I've ever felt pigeonholed. Oh, per good. Se. I think at both, I'd say both roles, uh, both of my kind of post post college roles, I have been fortunate that both, both companies are super, 
super broad in what they uh, what they utilize their industrial designers for. At 3M, I, I traveled for for research, whether it be uh, with with consumers or behind a uh, you know behind a two-way mirror, um, and then also hands-on with our engineers to prototype and keep iterating. Uh, and similarly with with at Rivian, I I went to Paris for a week for research uh, to research the the European market, and like did not expect that. Um, and then also got to do the very traditional elements of 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 design. Sure. Uh, so I think, yeah, I I know I speak of oh you could be pigeonholed right, but I fortunately through my time and experience there have not. Um, but I can see it being uh, something that some might have to deal with if they if they don't really kind of vet the proper uh, proper. What do you think, what do you think somebody, you know, watching this, you know, a lot of students reach out to, to me about like, how do I break through into an industry or how do I get a job? What do you think is something that um, somebody could do to like not get pigeonholed, right? Like, is it, is it just broadening their skill set on their projects or anything specific like that? Um, I think if you're interested in doing one thing, show that. Or if you're interested in doing multiple things, show that. Um, I think the way that I've kind of tried to show myself as a designer is just uh, kind of interested in all and willing, willing and able to do to do whatever task is is thrown at hand, um, and also just communication with with your management or with whoever you're interviewing with. Ask them about particular things that that you might be interested in. If you want to know kind of whether they're um, I, I I say I talk about re the research phase is something like that's maybe less common just because like you know maybe maybe teams are more focused on getting that hardcore uh, traditional industrial design out but maybe you ask about what what's what do they do for research uh, how do they how do they vet solutions with consumers um, and I think yeah it, it just really comes down to asking those questions in the interviews uh, and then once you're in advocating for those things that you uh, you wish to, to kind of spread your knowledge on. Right. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. I think that's uh, that's very important is the word advocating for yourself and making sure that you're, you're being tactful. And, you know, everybody always complains, you know, oh, you know, this, this job, like, didn't know that I wanted to do this. And a lot of times they the, the people and the employees actually don't bring it up. And they, they you know, it's yeah. like, how are people supposed to understand or how are they going to know what they don't know? And, and, you know, advocating for yourself yeah. and what you want and what you love to do is, is super important. Um, it's hard too. It's not easy. <laughs> yeah. So like, okay, well, how, what would you remember like a, a core time where you like had to advocate for yourself and it was like nerve wracking or like your first time or like, you know, how you, how you had those uncomfortable conversations? Yeah, it, it, it's really hard. It's taken me a long time. You know, I've got <laughs> around five years, five years in the industry post-college and it's taken me a while to, uh, to really acknowledge the fact that I need to stand up for myself. Uh, similar to the education setting that I was talking about, like no one in the real world is teaching you a software. No one's advocating for you and you need to do that yourself. Whether it's, hey, I just need 
I need less meeting time. I need to, I need to work on, on my, uh, on my skill sets and I, on my projects, like just, just creating an open line of communication and honesty with your, your managing director is huge. Like let them know what you're interested in. Hey, I really liked working with this team member. Like I would love to, to keep collaborating with them. Um, or I love, like, I really love this new software. I would really love to utilize it and showcase that. So maybe giving, giving your management kind of a letting you breathe to, to kind of focus on, on noodling in that rather than a specific deliverable uh, that they might be suggesting. So it's really, it really comes down to just being open and honest about your interests because more often than not, people will want you to do what you are interested in. Yeah, because that'll like breed the best results. I think that's great advice. Um, so you mentioned your kind of two ventures um, out of college, like one being 3M, which I think was your longer stint of the two. Um, yep. Talk about that experience. Obviously, everyone knows 3M as a a massive company. Maybe they know them for the tape or the reflective or, or whatever they know them, but but it's a massive corporation that touches a lot of things that um, and a lot of design products that maybe people don't know about. Um, what was your kind of experience like in the sense of like, what, it, what are some of the things that you got to work on? You mentioned uh, traveling for research, which is rare, obviously, and you get to like, you know, you mentioned some experience behind a two-way mirror, which sounds like you're an FBI <laughs> agent. I don't know what you're doing. Yeah. Um, so like, talk about some of the things that, you know, you got to experience there. It, it turned out to be so much more than I anticipated <laughs> going into it. After college, I got this job, you know, and it's like, you know, I got to do it. I'm going to go out and do this. And I knew about 3M because in my thesis, I did some respiratory safety uh, uh, product development or I, like ideas. And uh, when I got there, it, it was wild how much of the world 3M touches. Mm. They say you're like never, never more than 10 feet from a 3M product. And even less with the development of the iPhone. Like, the yeah the the screen uh, I'll get into it uh, but I I got to learn so much about like all these materials that that 3M creates and utilizes in in other products and it's just wild how mm. like do you have a MacBook yeah that that trackpad is that silkiness is a 3M material like the the screen of an iPhone or most most screens today utilize uh, a 3M film that goes on top of the screen. And essentially is it's, it's scored like at the microscopic level, it's just tiny little prisms that refract the light at a higher rate so that the screen can util utilize less power. So in the past seven years, screens have been able to actually utilize less power, thus allowing for more battery, uh, battery life. Well, you just blew people's brain out of their face. <laughs> it's gone. Like I, was, I didn't know that. So, like it, it. I, I. There was one project where I, uh, my one of my first projects was just organizing our materials library, and like literally, we had like you know the five by five Calyx IKEA shelves. Yeah. The cubes. We had like six of them along this one wall, and it was just materials. And I was organizing them, learning about them. And then ultimately a few of us created books about these materials uh, so that we could share with uh, external partners of like, 
hey, this is what this material can do. It actually had like some slide out like Polaroid things with the material sample in it. So we really got to like learn about these materials deeper than I ever would have expected. Like there's like, there's, um, you know, thin silhouette mm -hmm. uh, in like jackets. It's yeah. actually inside the door panels of many cars. And we actually have scientists shutting doors to hear how it sounds. <laughs> <laughs> layers layers deep in this that's yeah. Yeah. do you um obviously every every creative and, and like a lot of the, the 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 drive for why we create and why we design products is to see it out in the market and how it influences and interacts yeah. with a con the consumer right so do you have a a project that's out there that you're like super stoked and proud of hmm. i mean i I, I enjoy anything to work <laughs> on. Um, I, we just launched, or well, in the past few months, a few of my command hooks have launched, which I'm actually pretty proud of. Cool. I think uh, I got to work on some like really ubiquitous products that I think over my course at 3M really learned that I appreciate being able to get good design any, to anyone and something that's affordable and I know I put my heart and soul into, like, I'm just so glad that, like, I can have a friend just go buy it. Like, and I, and they know that that's like, someone put passion and care into it. I think that's what I really like. Um, I, I don't know how people have experienced it or whether they like it, but I know that I put the energy into it. And I think that will show in the use. Do you do you know throughout the the years that you were there like how many different projects you got to touch? Obviously, it's never, it's rare where like one person is like from start to finish like the only creative on a project or the the only person on a project. Yeah, you have, you have a team or you have people who you support or, or or touch a product on. Like, is it is it tens? Is it hundreds? Is it? It sounds like you got you to touch probably a little... in the hundreds. Yeah, that's that's amazing. Do you like? Yeah. A couple a couple of things that come to mind that you got to, to to tackle oh i have them like up here on my shelf oh my god <laughs> <laughs> actually this is one that my buddy worked on i took my mirror down but this is a little uh drywall picture hanger <laughs> so cool it can hold that one can hold 45 pounds it's a little a little sheet of bent like it's like that big um i didn't i didn't work on it but just stuff like that i think in school, I might, I personally uh, might not have seen that as like a huge deal, but I think being able to have products work effectively and be able to be used in, by anyone is just so empowering. Like that's where like real like impact happens. You know, impact doesn't happen by only four people being able to afford it, you know? That's cool, but that's art at that point. And I think the real design impact is like how many people it can impact. Sure. Yeah, I love that. Um, so you spent some time at, at 3M. Um, a lot of people, creatives who listen to this are, and I just, I went through this, like you, you work with a company for a number of years and then you eventually make a decision to leave or go to another employer because either you get bored or things get stale or maybe you get a new manager that you don't agree with mm -hmm. or 
you're maybe you're just looking for a new experience, right? And so talk about that transitional phase and kind of what you went through where were were you just like excited to try something new and and venture out like um in the transition from 3M to to Rivian. Yeah, it for me it was just like I've been here like the entire length of my education. <laughs> I, I kind of just want to go try something else. And that's not to say like 3M had so many business groups that I could have worked in, different teams, different projects. But at the time, I was just excited and invigorated to go try something else. And Rivian happened. I was like, I'm going to go do that. This, like, this is what's exciting me. And working on the, the charging and energy group, like, get it, like getting these ubiquitous products out there, just these charging stations and, and public like units in the home, like just getting, getting this experience and being able to touch this new, new market was so exciting. Um, so I just had to go for it. What was, um, what was that process like um, in terms of like interviewing and, and you obviously moved to a new location, I assume. Yeah, like I did. Yeah. Like so many people don't know, like, how long the interview process goes and like, you know, there's a lot of hurdles and a lot of negotiation with, you know, not only your salary, but then there's a number of other things. There's, there's moving and there's, you know, other covered costs. And like, um, if you, if you could share a couple of those things and key insights for people. Yeah. So the interview process took a few weeks, uh, maybe a month or so. Um, but first off interviewed, I actually bypassed the uh, the recruiter. He was just like, go meet with the director and one of the ID managers. Um, and I met with them for about half an hour or so. We just got to know each other. They had seen my work. So we went through maybe one or two projects, but they were, they were really interested in kind of just what makes me passionate. So I showed them some of my Instagram posts and they were like, we just want to see what you like, you know? So we just like, threw the projects aside and we're like, show me an image that like excites you <laughs> and just like talk shop. So that was super cool. How refreshing is that? Yeah. I, they were like, we've seen your work. Let's see <laughs> what makes you happy. And I like showed them this, I think I built like a mouse in blender and I was like, I've been learning this program. It makes me so happy to learn. And they're like, show us that. And we just talked about it and they loved it. So that's so that's uh that's really incredible. Those are definitely like the 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 best interviews, right? Where you're just like, okay, everyone yeah. knows where you stand work wise because your yeah. your resume speaks for itself, your your portfolio speaks for itself. And then it's really about the human connection and is mm -hmm. this somebody that I wanna grab a beer with or 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 am able to spend twelve hours a day with if if we have a project that we got a crash course together on. And yeah, um, it sounds like it sounds like you had that and um, so you pick up your life, you move to, to, to Cal the Southern California, right? You said, yep. Yeah. So I, I worked in California, sorry, in Minnesota for about three months. Uh, they let me work remote. The whole team was kind of remote, but moving to SoCal at the time. And I was like, Hey, I found an apartment I really like. Unfortunately, it's not available until X date. And it was like October. So that was like a month and a half longer than we had originally planned. But I was like, look, I really want this apartment. I'll come out, I'll fly out, 
like just visit, you know, be meet the team in person. Uh, and I did that, came out here for a week and hung out and went into the office. But then I moved out here in October and then it was quite the process. They, <laughs> they got a big uh, moving company to, to come pick us up and pack up our stuff and ship one of our cars. And I, they brought this giant 18 wheeler on this little street in Minneapolis. <laughs> and I was like, I thought you were going to bring a van. We do not have this much stuff. I kid you not, an 18 wheeler. It was so comical. Our entire street was like out on their porches, just like, what is going on? <laughs> it was very and, nice of them to do, uh, but a yeah. little over the top, it sounds like. Yeah, it was definitely a coordination between like the moving company because it was a, you know, just a contracted company. And I do not think they realized it was a one bedroom apartment. Oh my God, that's too funny. It um, was hilarious. They packed it up and you could barely see it when you looked in. It was like all the way in the front. You you mentioned um, a little bit earlier that like you got to do this wild you know parish trip for a week to do like actual research yeah. on uh, you know automotive and and kind of your job mm -hmm. and open um was were there a couple like really uh great instances or, or things that you reflect on uh that you really enjoyed or it was that like you know going to paris yeah. just super cool right oh i so back to just like the interpersonal relationship uh, i'll get to that but i got to stay for an additional week flew my girlfriend out and they were just like yeah go hang out in Paris for another week oh my god it was just like the most amazing thing I could have ever imagined one mind you this was one month into moving to SoCal we didn't we had just gotten our boxes like from <laughs> from the move and I had to go to Paris found out a week before um it was it was so amazing not only being in Paris but like I got to bring along a team member with me because I had never traveled abroad. And I was like, hey, I gotta, I gotta have a team member. You know, it was two of us, uh, an interpreter and our moderator. And we just traveled throughout Paris. You know, some of it, some of it was downtown, like in Paris, but a lot of it was, was also on the extremities and the outskirts of Paris. I got to see little villages, like, I, I'd say one of, one of the most comical experiences was we had taken a train about an hour 45 out of town. Oh, wow. Yeah. We, we were like staying central and mm -hmm. went into this little village town and this woman, uh, so we had, we'd interviewed her in her home and then we wanted to go out and about to experience kind of what her, uh, her use is like, you know, what her charging and and EV experiences like, um, just to kind of, you know, get a footing and getting an understanding of what she does on her day to day. And there were four seats in the car. A lot of European cars are very small mm -hmm. and there were five of us. And she in spoke to the moderator. She's like, we can't all fit. There's only four people allowed, which like, you know, in the U S we'd be like, ah, just like yeah. hop in, right. Sit on this, the middle. But she's like, I have a bike. And it was her her bike. She's maybe like five 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 smaller. So like bicycles get very, you know, vary in sizes. So we strap myself up in these reflective armbands because like 
apparently bicycling without reflectors and stuff is very uh, frowned upon, especially in these little uh, Parisian villages. Um, I, she's like, oh, it's right, the, char the charging unit is right around the corner that I go to. It was like two miles away. Mind you, it was 8 p.m. It was cold. It was like November. <laughs> I was like biking behind on this like tiny bike. <laughs> it was so funny. They, so we had a Zoom call with our team uh, in the U.S. And <laughs> my, my coworker just had the, the camera facing back to me, just like <laughs> just biking along in Paris. Oh, my God. That's so wild. It was it was funny. It it was worth it every second of it. That's so cool. Yeah, it's those it's those types of experiences that make it uh, make a lot of a lot of times in when work environments worth it. Yeah. Um, you mentioned at the at the beginning of the episode that you are 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 no longer there, and um, you know I kind of want to deep dive into like what what you're looking forward to next, and you know if you want to talk about that experience or just more of like where you as a creative is going next to what you're looking forward to as a, as a next chapter. Oh my gosh. I do not know. I'm terrified, <laughs> but yeah, unfortunately I was laid off in corporate downsizing or company downsizing. Uh, unfortunately I was on a team of three and I was right in the middle, um, a team of three on particular, the charging units. Um, and I just, I wasn't, I think break, I've broken it down and made sense of it, right? That like from a corporate strategy perspective, like, look, we've got, we've got redundancy. We've got one right in the middle and he's working on say, not the most prioritized programs at the moment. So it logistically, it makes sense. But unfortunately it was like probably one of the most dream jobs of dream jobs for me. Uh, so what's next is going to, I don't know. It's going to be hard. Well, it's only for you to figure out the next dream job of dream. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, talking about it, I'm like bummed, but I'm like, I'm so invigorated. I've had so much overwhelming support the past. It feels like a month. It's only been three days, like four days. And I, I'm just super eager to, to find out what's next. Cause I don't know, as I've kind of mentioned, like I'm willing and open to do anything. I, I love design as a at its core you know and i i'm excited to find out what i might be working on next you know i could be designing i could be designing headphones i could be designing <laughs> sneakers i could be designing bicycles i could i could do anything you know and i'm i'm open to doing that because i yeah like i said i'm i'm not selfish to what the product is i i just want to do the process yeah, no. What an what an uh what an extremely exciting time for you um to really go out there. Yeah, um, I do think now companies are hiring a lot um, from what I'm seeing, and and there's plenty of opportunity, especially with somebody with the skill set, and definitely uh, with the 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 two the, the two major brands on your resume. I mean, I'm sure uh, it'll be great. The timing of this recording just worked out where yeah. you, know, you had some extra time. Uh, obviously, yeah. and um, obviously, if anybody's listening and, and looking for an amazing designer, here's here's your shot. So, um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's that's uh, that's super. I'm very very excited um, to see what happens next and where you end up. I'm sure. I remember seeing the news that you went to to Rivian on LinkedIn or something like that a year ago, and 
um, I was like, man, this kid's going places. So I'm sure the next place is just going to be even better. Um, Yeah, we'll we'll see. I appreciate that. Of course. Um, So I got a couple more questions for you. Um, The first is where where can people find you? Do you have like your work online? Uh, do you have a website or do you just primarily, you mentioned going to Instagram through your interview process last year. Yeah. Um, you know, where can people find you? I'm at, on Instagram, primarily at Connor, C-O-N-N-O-R dot P dot S. Um, and for my website, it's ConnorPS.com. Nice and easy. Um, yeah. Do you have everything updated? Like I know that the, a lot of creatives like struggle with keeping everything updated over the years as they, as they progress. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I try to, I think I have been very slow to, to update stuff throughout the years, but it's got some of my most current, current products that I've shipped and some of my, my explorations. Um, I, I would like to, to, to continue updating it and getting more kind of side projects on there. But say for the most part, it's kind of where I'm at. Super cool. Um, I, I lied there a couple more questions. I, one extra I'm throwing in there as, as, a, as we're, we're riffing and I'm, I'm just thinking, I'm like, you're going to, now that you have like some extra time, are you going to like work on You mentioned side projects or like, is there anything specific that you're excited? Are you just taking a moment to breathe? Like, how are, how are you approaching this? Cause like, obviously this can happen to any of us at yeah. any point in time. Um, like I know this is fresh and like brand new is like, and it'll all work out, but like, is there anything that you're prioritizing in this process? Um, I think I'm just prioritizing connection and getting to talk to people. Um, I've had some phone calls the past few days and have some more coming up and I just, I need to not think about building more products or projects and just like, I've got what it takes and now I just need to kind of spread my, spread my reach and, and get in front of people. Um, I think that was really hard for me leaving college, right? Like leaving that grind of like, I got to do more. I got to do more. I got to make more. Um, but I think now I'm okay. Just like, I just got to find out what's right for me and what's, what's who I'm right for. Um, yeah, I, not that there's nothing else I can do, but like, I think I have everything I have shown can show kind of what I, what I could do, whatever it may be. Yeah. There's no question about it. That's, that's really beautifully put. Um, Final question for you. I've been asking this the past uh, few episodes after I've, I've kind of reset uh, the podcast a little bit. And, um, you know, I really, I've been really thinking about time a lot lately. And so I think about when I'm gone, what are people going to remember or think about me for, for that short period of time? Because over, whether it's 20 years after I'm gone or a hundred years after I'm gone, like the name will disappear and the work will disappear. And like, that's just natural. But like, what's something that you want people to remember you for when they interact with you with, or whether it's your work or who you are as a human, or does anything come to mind as like, what's, what's super important to you when you wake up out of bed every day um, that you prioritize? I think I just like making people smile. (laughs) Like I like having people laugh and enjoy just being in the moment, you know, like I love cracking jokes and just (laughs) seeing people happy to like 
just be there. So. I love that. Yeah, definitely, definitely be there. And I know speaking of that, like you, you, um, your work is amazing on Instagram, but I know you also take breaks from it. So it sounds like you do prioritize actually being, being present. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've really tried over the past four years, five years, geez, to just like, to just have fun, you know, be, be a human first designer second. And because Design inspired by design is no progress. I think design should be inspired by humanity and being your person first. So go out there, get drinks with your friends, go out, learn, <laughs> learn what it's like to, to just hang out and live life and, and have that influence your work. Because if you're just stuck being in the work mode, you kind of shelter yourself off to, to, what else there is. Wow. That part's getting clipped. I just had chills <laughs> about that. That was awesome. That was super beautifully put. Um, Connor, uh, this has been awesome. Thank you so much for joining us uh, on episode 69, the best number uh, of an untold narrative. Um, this has been great. Thanks so much, Dave.